Romans 11, verses 33 to 36. Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God. We cannot search his judgments. We cannot fathom his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has given him counsel? Who has given a gift to him which needs to be repaid? For from him, through him, and to him are all things. Glory to him forever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you. Thanks, Diane. Uh, it's great to have Father Steve and Becky here with us back from your holidaying. Uh, that's good. It's good to have. Yeah, it's good. We're looking. It's we've been looking forward to having you guys back, and so it's good. Uh, we're, we're continuing tonight uh, talking about Romans, the book of Romans, and um, we've been t- talking about uh, how yeah, this book here, this letter written by the Apostle Paul, is this this letter that's written uh, to help the community there, the churches there, the, the little house churches uh, in Rome, to establish what it means to be a Christ-formed community. And to actually unite together and build community together and do it around what it means to be formed by Christ. And so um, we've been doing it a little bit differently. We've been going through Romans backwards, starting from the last chapter, working our way. Tonight we're going to be going through chapters 9 to 11. So it's a big chunk, but we'll, I'll do my best to, to keep, us, keep us going. I have, I've done like a whole kind of little graph thing to just keep us engaged, okay, guys? Just so, hopefully, yeah, hopefully it helps. Um, so we've got a big chunk, but it's, it's yeah, these chapters um, are outlining particularly a story of what's going on, the story um, of Israel, the story of uh, these two churches um, in kind of working, these, yeah, two types of people in this church. There's what we talked about is the, the strong and the weak, and the strong and the weak are, are mostly around kind of how they uh, saw the Torah, the law, and the, the observance of the law. And so the strong were more likely the Gentile believers um, and more likely those who weren't bound by just obeying the law, but they were more interested in faith in Jesus. Those who saw their faith in Jesus as more important than anything else. That was what, what grounded them as Christians, as followers of Christ, is their faith in Jesus. Whereas the weak, what Paul describes um, in Romans, is, are those who are, are more uh, interested in following the law, are more interested in following the, the practices and rituals, and they saw that ritual part as their sign of acceptance of Christ. Uh, and so what we, you know, we'll see tonight is kind of that, that the battle of the faith versus works battle that is talked about in Romans, and we'll kind of dig into that. But uh, tonight we're looking at like a story and the stories of what is going on. And stories are so important. Like our story is what defines us, these moments in our life that define us, who we are. Uh, and so uh, we each have our own little story that we bring to uh, our lives and um, how, you know, that's how we explain our story, who, who we are, uh, what, what's happened to us in the past. So much, you know, it defines who we are. Uh, and so uh, my upbringing, I had a pretty very good upbringing. I have two of my sisters here in the room. So um, uh, we, had, we had a pretty good upbringing. We had loving parents. Uh, you know, we had good schooling. 
Uh, I didn't, you know, get bullied or anything. I had, a, I had a very, yeah, good, I had great friends. I had great leaders. I enjoyed my schooling, uh, which, you know, is probably somewhat rare. I don't know. Uh, and, yeah, I, I had a pretty, I, I, I had a very good upbringing. I was very blessed growing up. Um, and I know it's, you know, not the case with everybody going through, you know, different people go through different challenges. Uh, but for me, it was, it was pretty good. But at the same time, there were moments in my life um, where I doubted myself. There were moments in my life that I encountered um, pain and hardship and, and I had to deal with different things. I had to deal with loss. I had to deal with grief and I had to deal with different moments where I had to work out how I would respond to these different moments in life. And when I grew up, I didn't necessarily think I'd be a pastor of a church. Uh, I didn't think that, I, you know, I thought I'd work with youth and young people, but I didn't necessarily think I'd, you know, pastor a church. I wasn't this charismatic, uh, outgoing, the life of the party uh, kind of person. I wasn't the coolest kid on the block. I wasn't uh, the most talented. Um, I had a strange, croaky voice. I still do. <laughs> And uh, I had to work hard at explaining things. And, yeah, I still do have to work hard at explaining things. <laughs> uh, but what I had, you know, all these things, I, I maybe thought I doubted about myself. What I had was I had a walk with God. What, was, what I kind of cherished about my childhood is just moments where I grabbed a hold of God, where I, I, I um, went through the, the, the journey of just trusting God in different key moments, moments where I was challenged by what I believed, moments where I was challenged by who I thought I was, I um, had, yeah, I was graced with the, the privilege of actually just coming close to God and knowing Him and being around Him and um, being captivated by His love and His grace. And I'm so grateful for those graceful moments in my life where I saw Christ. Um, through his scriptures, uh, through experience in his experiences in his presence at church or different events, uh, through good friends who would encourage me, through uh, great leaders around me, God continued to shape me and my story. And um, yeah, there, there were many doubts and fears and hardship, but, but also there was redemption and hope. There was trust. There was love that I experienced and. Um, yeah, this is all that goes into our different stories, and each of us have our own edition of this, where we've experienced life and uh, experienced the moments in our life in different ways. Uh, and the thing is, the beauty of what God does is he comes in the midst of whatever our story is, and he shapes us. He brings life in the midst of that. He, he shows us the way. He, he gives us redemption and hope. That's what's so yeah, amazing about Christ, that he comes into our stories and shapes it, despite where we're at, despite what we've done. He continues to do that. And so our story is important. And what's really important about story, um, you know, we, we all experience our own, but we also get to hear and explore our other stories and hearing what other people have um, gone through and, and uh, be inspired by that, be inspired in, about how uh, God has shaped each of us and you know I love that space in dinner church where we actually get to share that um, and discuss how God has challenged us and changed us and yeah I love hearing each other's stories and being inspired by that and so um, when we think about our story 
and when we think about our own individual stories, it's, it's important to realise that these experiences in our life, they help shape um, both our belonging, that we have been known, we want to be known. Our belonging is so important to our story, but also shapes our purpose that we know. To be known and to know is, is really pivotal in what it means to actually shape our stories and find our identity in who we are. And so, yeah, the, the Bible is so important and powerful in kind of helping us form our stories. And um, it, it is in itself is a great story in which we get to uh, embark on and learn from. Uh, there's a great Jewish thinker and, and Hebrew Bible commentator, um, Aviva Zonberg. She says, um, uh, what can look simple on the surface is a cargo of hidden stories that tell the messy, strange, redemptive truth of us as we are and life as it is. And so this, this quote can be kind of said about the Bible, but it also can be applied to our own lives, that on the surface, um, you know, it may seem simple, our lives may seem simple on the surface, uh, but uh, there are a cargo of hidden stories that tell the messy, strange, redemptive truth of us as we are and life as it is. And sometimes it can be a bit scary to unlock those hidden stories in us and a bit daunting and we don't necessarily want to go there. Um, but, yeah, there's so much also beauty in us and beauty that is makes us who we are. And so um, as we go through uh, these chapters in Romans 9 to 11, uh, we're going to unpack a bit about the story um, that is at play within this church, in the Roman church. Uh, these two kind of different uh, people, the strong and the weak, more the Jewish believers or the Gentile believers, um, and explore how this story, we can learn and take wisdom from it, learn from these stories and actually apply that to our lives. And so here we go. We have um, a nice graph. Here we go. This is going to be fun. So in Romans 9 to 11, um, it, it begins by acknowledging in Romans chapter 8, uh, in some sections I've zoomed in, so sorry if you can't read it from here, but we'll work, we'll work with it. Chapter 8, um, there's a beautiful chapter, probably the most, one of the most famous chapters in all of Romans, Romans 8, which will be, we're going to talk about on the very last week of our series. <laughs> so, <laughs> I know, we're going backwards, but then we're actually, next time we're going for, we're going to start from chapter 1. So it all works beautifully, guys. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> so chapter 8 uh, culminates with this, uh, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. No height, no depth. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. The, the love that we experience in relationship with Christ, nothing can separate us, Paul is talking about. And this, this beautiful connection with what we see with Christ's love. And then chapter 12, as we, we kind of touched on a little bit um, and onwards, uh, it talks about how we've been renewed renewed by Christ. We've been renewed to work together, to work as a body, to actually work in harmony, despite whether we're in the strong or the weak, despite whether we feel like we've got everything humming or not. We're called to actually work together to build one another up and to be renewed in that. But the renewing of our minds is, is Romans 12. And so um, right in the middle here, we have this story, a story that leads 
to peace. A story that actually leads um, the, the people here in Rome to a, a way of living in peace. And particularly in Rome where um, the, the, you know, the Pax Romana was all about building peace in a military effort, in Romans' power effort. Uh, Paul is urging the people in Rome to actually build peace through a different way, a different system, the, the way of Christ, a way of loving and embracing and building unity, building one another up is the way of peace that Paul is calling for the Romans to live by. And so we begin here in um, uh, Romans 9. We're not going to kind of read every bit of section, but um, uh, yeah, what we'll do is, yeah, so we begin Romans 9, uh, Paul outlines uh, some of the key elements of the Jewish story and how the Jewish story has been an amazing part of, uh, yeah, what, what they have done through the, the Jewish story that we have adoption. We have the glory of Christ. We have the covenant. We have the law. We have worship. We have God's promises. And we have the Messiah. It's through the Jewish story, there is so much that we can grab and attain through what God has done through the Jewish story. But also through the Jewish story, there has been a trust on law obedience over relationship with God. There's been a trust over uh, what we can do and out of, out of our own efforts over what our trust in God. There's trusting our law of obedience has actually tainted the relationship. And you see that through time and time again as you read the Old Testament. Uh, just as Israel is going on a great path, they disobey. They sever the relationship with God and they do their own thing. And in doing so, um, yeah, it breaks that relationship. And so we need to see the importance of what the Jewish story has done. It is built. It, it, there's so many great things uh, that the Jewish story has done, but there's also um, something that is that has actually caused offence to God. And um, yeah, in that that passage, uh, the beginning of Romans nine, Paul even outlines uh, like a, a a sorrow and an anguish in his heart as he, he himself is a Jew. He even says in verse 3, For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ from the sake of my own people. He's, he's saying that sometimes us as Jews follow this law observance so much that we miss out on the love of Christ. As we talked about before, chapter 8 is all about this love of Christ. Sometimes we're so focused on the doing, so sometimes we're so focused on the law that we actually have missed out on the love of Christ. On, the, on what Christ has offered. And so this is where the trust on the law of obedience over relationship with God, we can miss out on his love by just doing and working and just rather than actually being with him and soaking into his love. And so this is where the, the, um, the challenge of the weak, those who, who live in that way, we can just trust in our own efforts. Uh, and in verse 16, uh, it says this, So it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who shows mercy. Depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who shows mercy. There's a stressing, and if, you, if you've got time during the week, you know, we're not going to go through all of these two, three chapters um, but I recommend reading through this and, and seeing what Paul is outlining. 
um, this amazing story of them experiencing the goodness of the Jewish uh, way of uh, living, the adoption and all that God has brought them into. But then he highlights this, this human will or exertion and but how God has continued to, to show his blessing through his mercy. And so uh, we can think about even just attaining, oh, there we go, zoomed in for you. <laughs> we can think about attaining an inheritance or a blessing. If we think like the Jewish way of thinking or um, our, our goal in life is, is to get an inheritance, to get a blessing from God, to, to receive something from God, that He will bless my steps, that what, what I do will be blessed, that I'll have favour in my workplace or in my family, that I'll be successful. If we think about that as a goal, we, we can think that it would be in my good works or in my practice, in my habits that actually form me into being in that blessed place. We can think it's all based on what I can do, on how I can get myself there. But what Paul here is saying, it's actually God's call and his promise, his mercy that enables us to experience his blessing. It's his call for us. And he even talks about how... um, uh, the story of, of Jacob and Esau, they're twins, but from the very uh, time that Jacob and Esau were in the womb, God's call and promise was for Jacob before he even did anything. Before he was even alive, God's call was for Jacob. And this is, goes into the whole theology of election. We're not going to have time to go into that, but there's, there's a beautiful aspect that the fact is God called Jacob despite him doing anything that he was the person that would bear the promise of God. And so for us to actually realise that he has us in this place, not because of something that we've done, but because it's his call, his mercy that has led us to our, what we, he has willed for us and the path that is before us. He has blessed us with that relationship. And so our call is not for just good works, but our call is to have faith, to have faith. Faith, you know, is a very Christian word. That word, come on, you just have to have faith. We can overuse that word and abuse that word uh, in some sense, probably more in in our Pentecostal uh, background. The, The abuse of faith could be used to just, come on, you just need to have some more faith. You just need to believe but faith is, is this trust, a trust that God can do and work in the midst of all that we're going through. And so when we think about works versus faith, uh, yeah, we need to see what God is doing. Firstly, we'll, we'll read um, 9.30. Yeah, Romans 9. I mean, if you want to, yeah, no, it's right. I won't get you to open your Bibles. <laughs> I'll just read. What then are we to say, Gentiles, who do not strive for righteousness have attained it? That is the righteousness through faith. But Israel, who did strive for the righteousness that is based on the law, did not succeed in fulfilling that law. Why not? Because they did not strive for it on the basis of faith 
but as if it were based on works. The reason that this, the Israel Jewish believers did not attain this righteousness is because their righteousness was based on going after the law, whereas the Gentile believers, their righteousness was based on their faith. They're trusting Christ. They're leaning into Christ. And so let's look at this. So works versus faith. How do we know we've got a works mentality? Well, the question is, do you often blame God? Do you often blame God for the the problems that you may have or things that go wrong or things that didn't happen, you, you would go to blaming God or maybe you, you disconnect God from your struggles and, and have it purely as a material struggle. This one I think is, is something that is more pertinent and something that I would do that I just, when I'm going through hard times or challenges, I would I'd disconnect those challenges from God teaching me or, or God being present in my suffering. I just have to figure it out. I have to work it out to figure out what's next and solve the problem that is before me. And that's a works-based mentality where we actually disconnect our struggles from actually God doing something in us and purely think of them in material terms. But a a faith mindset is asking the question, do you see God with you in your hardship and your decisions? Is God with you in the midst of your hardships and decisions? Not not the, the question of faith is not, can you not have hardship? Can you not have anything go wrong? Or badly for you. You have bad faith if you if you go through struggles. That's not the question. The question is, is God with you in the midst of your struggle and your hardship and the decisions that you make? And you know, I'm not saying that every little decision of the day you have to go to God and ask permission or something. It's just a relationship, a connection that you have that you are constantly just thinking about God in the midst of you making decisions. And particularly if it's a bigger decision, you, you bring that to God in prayer. Faith is that element that you actually have God a part of your life. The second question is, is God your place of rest when in hardship or decision? Is he your place of rest where you find comfort and peace? That's a place of faith when you actually can pull yourself away from the stress and anxiety of what life can bring and actually can uh, bring yourself to a place of rest in Christ. That's when we actually build our faith, when we can learn those those rhythms of, of coming away from those things and actually drawing into the rest and peace of God. Is God your place of rest? And I know this is something that I've been challenged recently uh, as I've kind of become more aware of um, the anxieties in me. When I get anxious or, or stressed or have tension in my body, I've become more aware of those times in my life where, um, yeah, I, I have that going on where it's probably always been there, just haven't been aware of it. Uh, and, um, yeah, I've been trying to learn how to actually, in those moments, not let the, them get uh, away from me or let them get on top of me, but actually 
come to him in a place of rest, whether it's I go for a walk and I go out in nature and experience God's presence in those moments or whether I just try and sit down and in a spot that I, I know kids aren't kind of running around and I can just relax for a second. There are different uh, yeah, moments in life where we can actually rest in God and find our rest in him. Uh, because our faith, it's not just this for so long, I've just thought about faith as almost, it's almost connected just to the armor of God. We just need to work and war our way to being better and stronger and just be bigger and just fight away. But faith is actually more about relationship than it is about fight. It's more about actually a connection and trust. It's more like I would think about my relationship with Michaela that we actually are trying to learn and, and um, build a, a trust into each other and, and actually deepen our relationship, deepen our connection as we talk and actually, yeah, we build a faith in and a trust in one another. We can lean on, onto one another when we're going through difficulty. We can actually have the faith to believe that like, I, I can get strength from my relationship with Michaela. It's this relationship that we have with God that we're building faith as we draw near to him in the midst of hardship. This is what faith looks like. It's this relationship building trust in him that God is wanting to do in us. And Paul is trying to show and address and realize that this faith that the Jewish believers had is just based all around your works. That, that isn't what Christ is trying to achieve in us. It's this love that I want you to pursue, this love that God wants to frame our lives around is not built on just our works, but it's built on this relationship of faith and trust. And so as we keep continue to move on, uh, yeah, he's, it's, it's, it's kind of a bit awkward in these chapters because he's addressing these things going on in, in um, the Israelite, the Jewish believers' lives. And it, it could probably seem awkward for the person reading, for Phoebe, who would read this letter out and addressing these people, these very real people that they would have known that, that Paul is addressing them, that, that he's calling him out as Jewish believers. And so this, this person reading, you can feel that there would be this tension in the room of you're saying that I, I have this weakness because I have this faith in my law and there would be this tension and awkwardness in that room of them calling them out on how they believe uh, yeah, Christ to actually be real in their lives. But then he moves on, he continues and uh, there's this, this uh, call of hope, this call of renewal in Romans uh, 11, verse 1 to 6, it says, I ask then, has God rejected his people? By no means. I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah? how he pleads with God against Israel. Lord, they have killed your prophets. They have demolished your altars. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life. But what is the divine reply to him? 
I have kept for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. So there's this, uh, this word of renewal, this word of grace, that there's a remnant chosen by grace. This seed, this small group of people who, who were chosen by grace, that when we see and think that uh, all hope is lost and uh, when we think that we can build our lives around the works mentality and go, how, how do I actually change this? How do I change the way that I, I, I come to God and not just live by just works and just doing, and, but actually build a robust faith and trust in God through how I live my life? God is, is saying that there is renewal by His grace, that He is faithful. Our God is faithful to continue to bring hope and life to us, to his people, to renew us and transform us, to change us, to actually enter into our story and shape our lives, shape who we are through his grace. And again, that, that word grace is, means gift, that we have been chosen by the gift, the gift of Jesus and the gift of his love, that he would welcome us in. Just as I've experienced in my story and life that I have felt so graced to actually know Christ and be welcomed in. We need to hold on to that grace in our lives. We need to grab a hold of him working in us and, and revealing to us his heart and being close to us. His grace is that message of hope, of renewal, of what is to come. But then he continues to move on and, and talks about um, the Gentiles, those Gentile believers who uh, are considered by his terms as the strong. Um, and he, he says that Israel's, yes, Israel's downfall does equal and mean that the Gentiles are grafted in, and this this whole section on um, uh, the uh, an olive tree, and how uh, just as the root of an olive tree, and and God had cut off the bad branches, those those Israelite branches that um, are, are living just by the law and 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 trying to please God by by uh, this law way of life, but. Uh, Gentile believers have been grafted in and grafted onto this vine and are a part of this root, this tree of God, this whole family of God that the Gentile believers are now grafted in. And so there's this beautiful thing of being able to be connected in Romans 11 verse 17. It says, but if... Some of the branches were broken off, and you, a wild olive shoot, were grafted in their place to share their rich root of the olive tree. Do not boast over the branches. If you do boast, remember that it is not you that support the root, but the root that supports you. You will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief. 
but you stand only through faith. So do not become proud, but stand in awe. For if God did not spare the natural branches, perhaps he will not spare you. Note then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity towards those who have fallen, but kindness, God's kindness toward you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. So that's nice. <laughs> Watch out. God's on the prowl. <laughs> uh, it can kind of seem like that, but that's not the, the message. This is, again, a story leading to peace, guys. <laughs> it can seem like he's you know, trying to get their attention, which he is, because... Uh, in our kind of faith way, if we just have this faith, we can become proud in that. We can uh, just trust, again, just that we've got the faith. That we, Yeah, we, we can just trust this kind of image of faith without actually trusting God himself. And so our call is not to, yeah, trust in ourselves and what we can produce. But our call is, again, to continue to trust and be in awe of God to trust and be in awe of what God can do, what he can do in our lives. And so, yes, though we, we haven't been bound by the law, we too, it does, if we too can be cut off from that tree. And so our hope is not in, in what we can produce again. It comes back to just our hope isn't what we can do and what we can make for ourselves. Our hope is always just coming back to our relationship, and what God can do. Him being present with us. There are a few things here in this, this passage of Scripture that um, kind of highlights uh, some of what's going on. Firstly, um, there's this uh, word share in, again, verse 17. Uh, some of the branches were broken off and you, a wild olive shoot, were grafted in their place to share the rich root of the olive tree, that the Gentile believers are now get to share in what uh, the Jewish believers had in the richness of um, their inheritance. And so there's this word share, uh, which actually is the Greek word synkoinosis. Synkoinosis? Which is like a sibling love. This sharing, this Paul uses it often uh, in in the way of relating to uh, brothers and sisters uh, in the faith, the body of Christ, in in how we connect with one another. There's this shareness that, as you have this sibling love, you share with one another, um, and so there's this yeah richness in in how we actually are called to share, and we ourselves get to share in what the, the blessings of God, so that we may be able to share those blessings with those around us. And so uh, he's calling us into this place of being um, to first share, uh, be shared the blessings, but also share that with others. He calls us to not be proud, but to stand in awe, to not have an arrogance about us, an arrogance where we think we know best, but actually continue to have the fear of God in us. It's actually another translation I, I read uh, says to, to be afraid, 
to actually experience the fear of God, which is so rich through uh, particularly the uh, poetry and the wisdom literature of the Old Testament, the fear of God, which is, is all about wisdom. All about wisdom. As we learn the wisdom of God, we, we actually come from a place of the fear of God to actually be in awe and reverence, to understand that He is bigger. He is greater than anything that we can do in ourselves to actually see and, and, and recognize He is in control, not us. You need to not be proud and think we know all that's best. We know what we're doing with our lives. We've got everything sorted out. No, we need to come into a place of humility and recognize the fear of God to be in awe of Him. And we also need to continue in our kindness, continue in our kindness. And there's that, that blunt statement towards the end there that I was, I was sharing. Note then the kindness and severity of God, severity towards those who have fallen, but kindness towards you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. There is a kindness that we are called to actually also be in and welcoming others around us as God is, has been kind to us. There's a great quote from Scott McKnight. Uh, he says that Paul turns against the arrogance of the strong. Our option is not silence or passive-aggressive tolerance. Rather, it is embrace and respect, all done by serving one another. The strong need to be more humble about their privileged location in the people of God, using their status and power in Rome for the good of others, especially the weak. And so God continues to call us, trying to bring it all together. I know there's a lot in all that we've just unpacked in three chapters. Sorry, guys. <laughs> He's trying to bring us together to realize that these different things going on in this midst of this church, that these, these Jewish believers who are just trusting their works, Paul is urging them to, to believe in faith and to trust with relationship. But even so, through, through that, there is a remnant. There is hope. There is grace. There is renewal for us. Even when we get it wrong, there is renewal for us. And then those who, who may have this faith and this robustness, to not be arrogant in that, to not think we know better, but to actually show with kindness and love the respect and empathy that we can have towards one another, to actually show in kindness, to build unity with one another. This is the call that he is calling us in. And we, we can see the wisdom throughout this that is outlaid, the wisdom of how we're called to live by faith, the wisdom of how we are called to, to not think that we, we know better than everybody, but actually to see my place here in the body of Christ is actually to lift each other up, to build one another up, to, to act in kindness. And so where, where do you see your story? in the midst of God's story? Where do you see your story outplayed with these elements of faith, where the elements that God is faithful, the elements where even you've been shared with the richness of God in your life and, and you've experienced that richness and the kindness of others? Where has God been present here in your life? Where has He shown you these different moments where He's 
built your life, this, that, that journey, that walk that you have walked out, that life that you have lived so far, where are these different moments in your life that he has actually been present there? It's, yeah, it's so important for us to actually continue to think about God being present in our lives. Because we can just go by and just um, not realize God has been there. Not realize that he's actually been working in us, revealing things to us. And so to, to kind of bring it home and to bring it all together, um, I'd love us to just think about not how we can just work it all out, not how we can just figure out everything that's, you know, all the problems that you think in your life you've got going on, all the things that you have to work out and solve. And yes, we do need to, you know, in some sense, we need to work it out. <laughs> there are things that are going on in our lives that we do need to work and but our first goal is not to just, how can I solve it? How can I get it done? But to just to be present to what God is doing in us. Because he is working a, a narrative of peace. Now, this story leading to peace is the fact that these two different types of people are actually called to unite together to come together as one body and to see and, and respect each other with love and unity. There is a way of peace that he is leading us to. God is working peace in our lives. What our call is to not just work it out, but actually to be present to it, to be present to his peace. And the more that I've become more aware of him and his presence in my life, the more, yeah, the richness of that actually, yeah, grabs me and lifts me up. It builds faith in me. The more I become aware of his presence in my life. And this can be done, uh, you know, through different, different means. But, you know, a great mean is the, the prayer of examen. I've mentioned before, but essentially it's a, a moment. You could have it at the end of the day or at a certain time of the day where you actually stop and think about the different moments in your day and think about God's presence that was there in that moment. You think about the different actions and go, I got angry and upset at my kids, but God's presence was there <laughs> despite that. Maybe he was leading me and going, this, that wasn't, that's not quite the way that you want to respond. That in the mundane and ordinary past, uh, uh, parts? Well, mundane and ordinary tasks is the word I was going to say God's presence was there God's presence is there in our lives our role is not to work it all out but just to be present to him in us so Lord we just um, stop and allow your presence to come fill us one of the greatest things is, God, that you are with us. And so teach us, I pray, to be more aware and alert to you there with us every moment of our day. Teach us, I pray, to stop and think of you as we make decisions and we do things maybe we don't want to do. Help us, Lord, to think of your presence with us, guiding us, moving in our lives. We thank you for your goodness and your grace.
Lord, I pray that we would be shaped not by all the things that we get done, but by being with you. By knowing you, being close to you. And Lord, we know that as we are close to you, God, we, we want to actually help others, be kind to others, show kindness and grace to those around us. Lord, help us and teach us in these ways, I pray. We thank you, Jesus.